Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm quite well. How are you doing? I cannot complain. It's a beautiful, beautiful day and been a great weekend. So, Caleb, you can always complain. You just have to try harder. That's true. I could, I could take a page from your, your Twitter bio. <laughs> Alrighty then. What are you drinking? Uh, tonight I am drinking red wine and Ambien. Oh, uh, you no, are enjoying the, the Elon Musk? <laughs> the Elon Musk cocktail. I feel like we should actually create a cocktail and call it Red Wine and Ambien. Yeah. Maybe something with some sweet vermouth. or I guess sweet vermouth is or actually... Or Amaro and Campari, something red. Yeah, it would have to be, because sweet vermouth is usually white wine uh, that just gets darker with the fortification. Oh, you know, uh, maybe could, like a, a Dubonnet. Or, or, or we could do something with the sleepy time tea infusion. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to work on that. Well, uh, we're open to suggestions. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm actually drinking a Jack Rose uh, tonight. Um, so we've got uh, some apple brandy, uh, lemon juice, and uh, grenadine. And I'm, I was a little bit delayed in our taping here because I had to obviously squeezing a, a fresh fruit obviously entails mm-hmm. some extra time. Uh, but I was also out of grenadine, so I had to whip up a new batch of grenadine. Uh, so, you know, the struggle you made was it? real. Yeah. Well, grenadine's easy. It's just... Uh, pomegranate juice and sugar so like you just get one of those like palm wonderful bottles Mm. like eight ounces of that and you put like eight ounces of sugar in it and boom grenadine i always thought grenadine was cherry i always got it as a kid they put grenadine in my uh, your shirley temple my shirley temple yeah yeah you know it's just pomegranate yeah it's pomegranate juice all right i did not know that yeah it's super easy to make it's much better than spending the money to uh to make uh, to buy it yourself so you know you just add some uh some pomegranate juice and some uh, sugar. Usually the super fine sugar works better, and uh, then you get yourself a stew. All right. Just two consent adults getting our stew on. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? Well, it's a funny... I'm having brandy oh. uh, in, a, in a glass with a twist. In a um, snifter? Uh, it's close as I could get. It's uh, one of my coupes. Um, yesterday, we realized the uh, freezer door had been left open, and so we had to empty everything out of the freezer. Oh, no. And... Uh, in that time, I forgot to put in fresh ice trays because we were cleaning the ice uh, containers. So <laughs> I went to my freezer to prepare my drink, and there was nothing in the freezer. So I, I decided to have some brandy instead and keep it classy for the shareholder meeting. Very much so. What, what kind of brandy are you drinking? Oh, it's not good. It's, it's just Corbel. <laughs> oh, well, you know, some uh, Novato, right? Novato, uh, yeah. California wine. All right. Excellent. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, shareholder meeting today. Yeah, so Elon gets on stage for about an hour to four hours, depending on how he feels. <laughs> At the Computer year, History Museum. Yeah, last year was about four hours doing a deep retelling of the entire history of Tesla. This year we got a, a just under one hour of, uh, te- of Elon time. And uh, yeah, so this happens every year, and uh, shareholders of record can come to the meeting at the Computer History Museum, as you mentioned, in in Mountain View, and hear Elon talk about the state of the company and ask questions. And this year, they solicited questions from Twitter instead of in person, because uh, I think they realized that some of the crazies uh, come up and ask (laughs) questions, and there have been some ridiculous questions in the past. So this year, they were a little bit more... uh, on target. Uh, so I, I sort of appreciated that uh, there weren't crazy questions asking uh, why Solar City employees stole my bike. Yeah, that was one from a couple of years back, I think. So they're at the Computer History Museum. That is very close to where we are. So if we buy like a share of Tesla, can we go into that? Yes. 
Yeah. All right. I mean, we would have to then, I guess, add some sort of disclaimer or disclosure to our podcast that we both own one share of Tesla so that we can go to the meetings. <laughs> yeah, next next year, maybe. I mean, sometimes I own some Tesla, sometimes I don't. I buy and sell it. It depends on how, it, how it's going. Um, I mean, I guess I'm, I could in, a, in, in an index fund, but that doesn't really yeah. count. Yeah, so he. let's get to it. So essentially... Uh, he started off with a uh, general statement that he thinks it's been a really great year. I guess uh, in the beginning, it seems as if he was, he generally just seemed like he was in a pretty good jovial mood the entire time. He wasn't yeah, the, in his the state stolen. of the union is strong. Yes, exactly. It was a, it was a strong uh, performance and uh, lots of little wisecracks and, and uh, self jokes. So he was in good form, good Elon form uh, for whatever that's worth. Um <laughs> So he was basically calling out that the, the past year has really been the first year where they've uh, really gone down the mission of becoming a fully integrated sustainable energy company with the acquisition of Solar City uh, occurring in the in the trailing 12 months, uh, as well as sort of the stationary battery packs really starting to take off in both the power wall and the power pack. And just sort of making the case once again that uh, the important pieces to ensure a sustainable energy future are now in place and that there aren't any from in his view any missing pieces that uh basically he sort of made a joke that if when civilization ends uh we'll probably be using the same general systems we uh have now in terms of uh solar energy powering batteries powering electric driven devices um so i don't know i don't want to jump ahead but there was a cold fusion question uh later on but yeah who knows just nuclear reactor not cold fusion <laughs> um so uh, the uh oh yeah go ahead sorry no I, I was just gonna say i thought the one thing that he forgot to mention which he usually f does not forget is that uh to leave this planet we do need to have non-sustainable energy sources uh, such as methane <laughs> to uh to, to fuel rockets um which he always tends to call out as uh, ironic um but other than that, he also sort of mentioned that Gigafactory is also running on electricity or will be 100% electricity when it's complete um, to sort of point out to folks that even industrial uses could be converted to electricity. Um, and, yeah, and he said the same about the superchargers, right? That all the supercharger stations are, are going to be at some point in the near future. Um, yeah. Renewable powered or solar powered. Yeah, he mentioned that on Twitter a few days later. Um, but yeah, that all the superchargers will be powered um by the sun and many of them will be fully disconnected from the grid and that the battery packs will be uh, supplying a lot of the uh, intermittent power so that's that's pretty cool 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 so do you want to go through this like uh sequentially here or just do yeah. some highlights All no right. i mean we'll go through sequentially we can call out things that we didn't find too interesting as well um so I think he started then with the we're going to call out things that aren't too are not too interesting. Well, we'll give them less time, and that that's will not be a very good teaser. That'll be our indication. Well, okay. There, there are some parts that I think are still useful to mention to get a sense of what happened, but maybe we can say that they weren't that interesting to us. <laughs> All right. The uh, the solar roof. Um, he talked about again, sort of the mission for that of making a beautiful roof that's solar instead of just an ugly roof um, that it can practically last forever. I thought the example he gave of um, how cathedrals uh, have uh, stone stained glass, and stained yeah. glass and that those sort of last, you know, millennia, 500, 600 years coming up on a millennia. Um, yeah, I mean, glass is a pretty resilient material. It's a pretty good 
material to use. So um, I thought that was just sort of interesting. And also that he legitimately did uh, seem to want to offer an infinity warranty. He seemed to thought that would be pretty cool, but <laughs> the accountants uh, didn't know how to account for that. So they had to put some, some term on that. And uh, if you use Amazon's uh, photo storage, you know, unlimited is a difficult thing to keep around forever. So, <laughs> Hey, you know, Scientologists signed up for a billion year contract. So <laughs> why not? Um, I thought that it was, uh, I think the the whole idea of the um, the the roof panel um, solar things seem like it, it seems like the the bottleneck is them producing them more so than explaining why they're good or why there might mm -hmm. be a demand because it it just seems self evident that if I'm putting a roof on my house and it looks just like a regular roof and doesn't look weird obviously I want the solar one I I feel like it's the easiest sales pitch around and the only problem is when can I get them? Like, you know, when can you take my money sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, there were certainly people who are concerned that it would be way too expensive that even when you factor in the electricity cost, it would still be so much more expensive than a regular roof that you should just pay for your electricity from your utility. Um, but it, it seems like for many folks, it's actually going to be cost, uh, comparable. And so that's great. And then I think some of the other concerns were around like, how you would pay for it um, and insure it. But I, all those issues seem like in the long arc of the next decade, they'll be figured out. So I'm not, it doesn't seem too unlikely uh, that that'll be figured out. And yeah, they're pretty much pre-sold for the next year um, and they haven't oh. even started full production. Um, so they're going to be doing the pilot run here in, uh, in California uh, near the Fremont uh, factory in the old Solyndra building. Uh, and then they are going to move it to the uh, Gigafactory 2, which is the Buffalo Gigafactory in Buffalo, New York. Um, one new thing that was actually shared was that, um, so you know how they have the four colors or four designs? They've got the mm -hmm. black slate, the textured slate, then they have the Spanish tile and the French slate. So the first two are the ones that you could pre-order now of the black slate and the textured slate. Early next year, the Spanish tile and French slate will be available. But then he dropped a hint that, uh, and more will be available over time. So not not earth-shattering news or revelation, but that's new information that there'd actually be new styles coming uh, as well. Um, so I don't know what other kind of... I guess there's just like... There's other like flat red roofs, like other asphalt tiles that are kind of red. Maybe IHOP, IHOP blue. Yeah, blue tiles. Uh, there are a couple other roofs. That, I mean, I'm just looking around outside my window and trying to see what other kind of roofs people have, but... Um, yeah, I think the black one looks kind of kind of neat. Um, yeah, and, it'll be interesting to see how much they actually are involved with like retrofitting the roofs of existing houses, or uh, if you actually are going to be um, like putting stationary solar tiles in your house. That might affect uh, for new construction how you position the house on the lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know if you're if you're retrofitting on a house that's already been positioned and. Uh, you know, maybe there's some feng shui that went into your into your positioning of your house, or maybe they just plopped it on the land. It would ever look best. Uh, it might not be the optimal uh, solar uh, absorption angle for uh, roof tiles in your particular latitude. So, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the uh, they're training all the uh, Solar City employees who did the installation of the uh, solar panels to become roofers. And one of the things that was kind of neat was just pointing out that. 
uh, one of the things to bring the cost down over time is not only the manufacturing efficiencies, but the installation efficiencies that installing roofs and the wasted material in installing roofs and time of roofing is a, is a pretty large constituent piece of a roofing uh, job. Yeah, and, and they're, pe- they're Petro products too, right? Like the asphalt. Yeah. yeah, and so they are planning to make sure that they measure the roof very well in advance so they can basically, what he was saying, kit out the entire roof uh, before they load it all up into the into the truck. And they take it out and they just sort of assemble it like Lego as quickly as possible and sort of be the fastest roof to put on as well. Um, so, you know, trying to just take that efficiency mindset to roofing, which... Um, you know, sometimes people just go down to Home Depot or something, buy some roofing materials and crack some beers on the roof and start roofing. It's not always like the most, <laughs> I don't know if that's how it goes, but okay. not, not all roofing, but you know, I, I would I've hope seen, you would hire a professional, but I've that's seen just people me. roof like that. I, in first person, I've seen that happen. <laughs> DIY roofing seems fraught with peril. Yeah, I mean, if you've done a couple roofs, I think people qualify as roofers. But um, anyways, moving on from the roofs. um, (laughs) So Powerwall and Powerpack, anything stand out here to you on the uh, stationary storage side of things? I mean, I thought it was interesting that he went through the app, kind of the uh, Mm -hmm. user interface, I guess, to the uh, vertically integrated power generation and usage process uh, where you might have the solar cell or the solar roof, the power pack, the car. Um, I thought that was a little bit interesting, I guess. Uh, it was all very vague, so it, it's kind of hard to say. But uh, if if it works as much as, as well as it seemed to in my mind, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. And he was pointing out that that's like live now. So if you did have all those products, uh, the app would function that way. And, and I mean, all- it wasn't a thorough demo, so it was a little bit tough to figure out exactly. There was a lot of sort of projection as to what you would want it to happen but yeah 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 you sort of could see like oh well here's like energy flows sort of like the prius and then here's the uh how many kilowatts you've used and here's how much time was on the grid and off the grid and seeing energy flow from your car uh well going going from batteries into the car batteries into the grid um one one thing i thought was interesting was he he said um and there's also a few things people aren't expecting as well um when he was talking about sort of solar products and did you catch that when he was talking about the app he he sort of alluded to some other unexpected um energy products and <laughs> no one wants unexpected energy that's so, that sounds that sounds terrifying i was thinking afterwards in relation to one of the questions that was asked around apartment chart apartment charging that maybe one of the things would be sort of a hybrid between the superchargers and the destination chargers where they they might be really thinking through what it takes to charge in condos and apartments. Oh, you're and skipping ahead to the Q&A section. I know, here. but like yeah. I think it might apply here because you, you think might he was be teasing able, it. Yeah, because you might see in the app like how much you're paying for this charging system because I think it would be paid because you don't own the electricity in your apartment parking spot all the time. Um, it seems like for if you're selling it into the American market, at least, I, I know elsewhere in the world it's a little bit different, but Americans seem to really like the all-inclusive plans where they just pay for something at a certain rate per month and they don't have to worry about the individual like units of measure that they're being billed for, whether it's internet access or cell phone usage or pretty much anything. Electricity, well, I mean, I guess yeah. electricity is, is built on a on a unit basis but uh yeah i don't know maybe it's something like that where you might just pay into like you know you pay a 100 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or 
I don't know, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever people outside of the Silicon Valley bubble pay per month for things. Yeah. I feel like anytime we start talking about $300 a month, $1,000. It's a banana, Michael. What could it cost? $10? <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, some sort of set amount per month and you just like know that your car will always be charged up. I, I don't know. That, that's just a guess. Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly, but the fact that he was talking about it during the actual app demonstration and seeing these inflows and outflows of power and why you would want to monitor that, I was just trying to think of where else, what other products in your home would Tesla create? Like, I don't think they're going to make refrigerators, you know, so there, <laughs> there aren't that many products that are um, things that Tesla customers might interface with that are going to deal with high voltage power. Um so yeah, I, I, th that was really the only thing I could think of that maybe would come. So we'll, we'll find out. Um, <laughs> one other thing I think he, he pointed out that was kind of neat is so American Samoa uh, is an island that actually is now 100% renewable and also has battery backup, and just which is switching from diesel, right? Like weren't yeah. they all diesel based before that? Which is which is a huge change. Yeah, I mean that really really inefficient, uh, very expensive fuel to now very cheap, very clean fuel. Um, and that just making the point to people that if an island can do this, that an island is just a mini continent. And the fact that a <laughs> continent uh, is just evidence that a continent could, in theory, do this as well, um, was just sort of a neat frame for this idea that like, well, it's impossible for an entire country or an entire United, United States or North America to move to fully sustainable, it's just not possible. And then you see uh, these island nations starting to really push on it. And it's really an economics issue that it's just so expensive for their fuel that it makes total sense uh, to, to move to the slightly more expensive uh, upfront solar and battery power today. And that that is going to just sort of continually sweep across all these parts of the, of the world that it's currently totally economically advisable to do that. And as the prices keep coming down, more and more places will flip into being more likely to want that instead of incremental diesel or coal or <laughs> any other power generation source. So just kind of yeah. neat reminder. Especially for a place like American Samoa, too, which is, I mean, while they are land, uh, land area constrained, they have a, a uh, pretty healthy dose of sun hitting their yes what land surface they do have and and apparently as as i mean there was a, a news story this week too about uh china having like one of the largest floating solar uh arrays that just went online recently i guess over a reservoir somewhere uh, in inland in china yep. but um yeah so the, there's there's yeah you know if you're especially if you're equatorial uh that's a that's a wonderful way to to go so then he moved on to the sales and service area um, and basically pointing out that uh, they want to get to half, well, one store per 500,000 people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a really interesting way of breaking it down, too. So he's like, so in the U.S., we need like, what, like 66, 66 stores or 660, something. 660. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was kind of funny. And then he started saying China's at least a thousand. Then he sort of cut himself off. He didn't want to mention China by itself. And so they said the whole world to be several thousand. Um, and so as of the end of last year, so coming into 2017, there were 265 locations. 
So it was almost like he was like reverse engineering the interview question of how many gas stations do you need in New York City or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, I need to I need to do a little more research to dig into some other um, retailers to find out what their per capita uh, density is. I mean, I would expect Starbucks and and McDonald's are, are quite a bit higher than that, um, but places like Walmart are going to be a little lower. Um, so, but but basically, they're talking about at least a ten x increase in the number of stores in the end state, uh, given our current world population of, of folks that they're planning for. So expect quite a lot of investment in stores and service centers over time that, they, you know, they're only one tenth of the way there uh, to their sort of desired density. Um, and, and they that's have the, a lot. The, they have the Tesla Rangers to make up the, the difference. Did you? Is that only new to me, or have you have you heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that. It, they've had it maybe for a year or two now. Um, they they go out in trucks or vans, and they. I come just thought the the way you said it was hilarious. I was thinking like Walker Texas Ranger, but it was like you know Walker Tesla Ranger. Yeah, they uh, they keep playing with the name. It's like Tesla Mobile Service, Tesla Rangers. They they yeah they come out and pick up trucks sometimes, and um, yeah they'll repair things uh, because they don't always need to put the car in a lift uh that's how they can can do that and they, they're going to keep investing in that as well because it's also just more convenient um in the last earnings call they talked about it quite a bit um so it's not even just sort of this uh, last resort sort of um emergency system it's going to be sort of a, uh for many people it might be their primary way of getting the car serviced as uh, having uh, one of the rangers come out to their home or business <laughs> It just sounds funny when you say it, but it does. yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Because it's a much more like mechanically simple vehicle. So you can probably do a lot more and diagnose a lot more on the fly and or the other, diagnose it remotely and just send someone over with like specific equipment. Yeah. And the other thing is because the battery packs on the, on the ground, they, they have to assume like, it's a lot harder to assume you're going to be able to lift the car up like an internal combustion engine car. Um, so, so much more of the car needs to be serviced from uh top down and so that also has the benefit that you don't always need a lift to service the vehicle um so that sort of constraint has also helped on the service side uh from from being able to have easier access at um the car on all four wheels cool so uh, uh i don't know if i'm jumping ahead but the the next thing i have is the configurator did you have anything before that yes yeah, superchargers oh, okay um, the so they want to get to 10,000 by the end of this year. The little um, video of the globe rotating around with all the superchargers like highlighted was pretty nice. Yeah, so they had this globe animation where they had these beams of light coming out from each of the charger locations. So you could sort of see how they're all, uh, where they are all over the world. And yeah, you can definitely see how the uh, U.S. interstate highway system works uh, <laughs> quite well, which is kind of neat. Um, Very tight clustering in certain areas, like, yeah, like Eastern China, Japan, yep. Europe, uh, yeah, and then the U.S. and then kind of the spider webbing across the interstates. Yeah, Japan is pretty dense relative to its landmass. Um, Korea, uh, South Korea, obviously. Um, the yeah, so they're at five thousand or so entering the year. They want to get to ten thousand, and that's the actual plugs, uh, because there's around eight hundred um, actual physical locations, because the average have around six plugs, but that average is increasing. Um, so yeah, they they said okay, we're going to double this year, and then probably fifty percent to doubling again in twenty eighteen, which would put you to fifteen thousand to twenty thousand, and then another fifty percent the year after that. And so 
people might be freaking out still that that's not enough for Model 3. But if you think about it, they've got 200,000 cars now. Uh, by the end of the year, they want to have double the number of superchargers that were supporting around 200,000 cars, um, which should be able to accommodate all the Model S's and X's from this year and all the Model 3's at the same sort of density. And then next year, 50% of that uh, should accommodate what would be just, you know, 50 to 100% should accommodate between 300 and 500,000 more cars, which is sort of what they aim to do in 2018. So it seems as if they're trying to keep the same relative density of superchargers to vehicles as they had last year, which might not be enough, but it's sort of the numbers bear out that sort of general relationship. So it's not as if it's going to be 10 times better than it has been or uh, 10 times worse. It's going to be about 1x the same, <laughs> just sort of the same. Linear. Yeah, just sort of linear at that same ratio, um, trying to keep pace with the Model 3 ramp. Um, so no, We're no, all waiting to see what happens there. But the other thing was going to be that uh, the, the charging rate is going to keep getting faster. Uh, people want to know that, and, and people want to see that the cars keep can charging faster because charging faster, again, will make the uh, relative or sorry, the effective usage capacity of each supercharger higher. So you don't need more stalls. You can just have more people going through them per hour. A lot of people might forget about that. So that every, you know, 10 or 15 percent improvement in the speed, you get 10 or 15 percent more throughput. At some point, though, you're just going to have to start locating them near substations because it's going to be difficult to get that much power into a random location. Well, that's the other reason I think they're going to have the batteries to basically juice them, drain the batteries really quickly and trickle charge the batteries and do these sort of launches where they charge the cars really quickly mm. and or sort of trickle charge the batteries. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sort of treat them as capacitors uh, to level the load. Um, and then the other thing he was saying is that the big stations are going to they're going to add amenities. And this is cool because this means basically some of the really big key supercharger hubs and some of the ones in the cities will have restrooms instead of having to go over to a McDonald's or Starbucks. They're most likely <laughs> going to have Wi-Fi and the, they might be I more safe. I could go in and get like a massage and get my nails done. And, no, you know. <laughs> no, I think it's pretty basic amenities. Like there's probably going to be some vending machines and, and some uh, some restrooms and some club chairs to sit in. Uh, I think but, you're being generous with your definition of amenity. Okay. I I, think I want that, like a spa experience. No, not for ten minutes. I would like to charge charging. and I would like to get my upper back worked on and maybe a seaweed wrap or something. You know, maybe, the, maybe do a little yoga. The reason I think this is valuable is that it will allow them to locate them in even more random locations. Uh, not random, but more locations that are away from existing infrastructure of food and and uh, restrooms. Because right now they kind of want to put them around other places because they're just charging stalls but as they start to have enough where they want to have this central location where you can go in and make a mini sort of rest stop uh they could use less expensive land essentially at a certain point it's just gonna get to be like a little mini airport where you have like a little hudson news and a sharper image or something in there and you can just kind of restock for your road trip maybe they'll sell swag so there'll be little destinations for people um you get a little mini uh, toy supercharger at the supercharger station. I mean, they'll probably have like, you know, restrooms with changing stations and all this stuff. I mean, he, he, a little he said like it, snow globe that you can shake where it's, it's like <laughs> I charged up in Missoula, Montana. He said that the goal is to, uh, you know, make long distance travel uh, something you love to do in your Tesla. Like that's what they're aiming to do with the supercharger infrastructure. Um, and there's really no other supercharging 
high-speed charging network. There's no number two. <laughs> yeah, they went, they went into a little a detail, lot of detail on that. Yeah. But, like, I, I thought that was a little bit weird because was he completely discounting charge point? Was there something yeah, the, the, where that doesn't count? That, that seemed a little weird. He's, he's basically not counting anything that's uh, less than 65 or 70 kilowatts. So charge point really okay. peaks out at around 50 kilowatts. Um, and so high-speed chargers, the Teslas, the superchargers are around 100 to 130, 140 kilowatts. Um, so that's what he's saying. Gotcha. So yeah. To be able to charge up in bit, 30 minutes, you need to. He was like meandering. Speed. He's like, there's like one place in the Netherlands that kind of sort of does it. And I'm like, wait a second. Also that he didn't know that in it already was weird, but whatever. He, <laughs> he's like, I asked the head of our supercharging team, what's the number two? It's like, well, I got the know? impression that he was, he was riffing like that to say like the number two is so far away and unimportant that I don't even know. Yeah, he might but, have. He might have exactly known, but you yeah, know, maybe he it, did. It was all about the presentation. So number the next item I had was autopilot. Is that what you had next? No, I I, I started taking my notes at the configurator. So oh my god, that's so much. We haven't down. even hit my notes yet. We man. haven't. Dude, sorry. Uh, we need to hit a supercharger here in the middle. We need we need to recharge. <laughs> Autopilot. Uh, he again reiterated, "It's been a tough." These are his words: "A tough slog <laughs> transitioning from Mobileye." Uh, and he said, "We're almost there, exceeding Hardware One." So he this said so, next one, right? Like yeah. the next one in the coming weeks. This just continually reminds me of uh, Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football, <laughs> and the autopilot is the football, and uh, Elon just can't quite hit that football. Like, oh, come on! This is every single software product that has ever existed, right? I know it's like it's we're like, always. We're almost you're, there. You're 50% way out of the woods. Now we're still 50% of the way out of the woods. How are we always 50% of the way out of the woods? Zeno's paradox of software projects. It's like the yeah. first the first 90% takes 90% of the time, and the second 10%, the last 10% takes 90% of the time. Yes, they are clearly uh, exhibiting and, and uh, feeling this. And But then he says, uh, yeah, so there's an update rolling out. He, was, he teased it, but it's already started as we record um, that has slightly better... Uh, Longitude, smoother. Long, yeah, smoother longitudinal control um, and it also apparently has the full speed automatic emergency braking up from like 28 miles per hour max so that's a good safety feature so it's less um, likely to drive like a capuchin monkey on meth yes <laughs> hey let's go oh let's pause <laughs> let's break let's go let's break um like a, a you know an over eager 16 uh, year old driver um <laughs> either on the brake or on the gas. Um, We're in driver's ed mode. Yes, exactly. The, yeah, the autopilot sort of drives like that a little bit now. Um, so that's great to hear that that's going to continue to happen, and it, sh it should be rolling out at the end of um, uh, this week. So as people are listening, there'll be a few more days, and it should be rolling out uh, next weekend. Um, but the he then went on to say, but... Uh, don't worry, things will continue to accelerate even faster afterwards, and um, they have everything necessary to go full autonomy, and that, quote, our goal remains to drive autonomously from parking lot in California to a parking lot in New York without touching a control at any point along the way. But this time, he didn't mention a date. He's usually <laughs> mentioned at the end of the year, so... It's accelerating returns, you know, who knows? Um, so he's, he's read his Kurzweil. He's all up to date. Yeah, he, he's definitely, I can't, I can't wait for something on the full self-driving to actually ship because that'll be a real, that'll be a really big day. Um, I still contend that will be something with stoplights or traffic lights. Um, yeah. And then the full self and then the advanced autopilot seems like one of the first ones will be switching lanes, uh, automatically for you. 
to get out of slow moving lanes and then it will be transitioning highways with uh, destination inputted um, that's my current belief i don't have any inside knowledge on that it's just what i would expect given my layman's understanding of what needs to happen that, that those would be the next two things on the on the pathway but there's gonna have to be better parking stuff too so there might be a wild card of self-parking happening before that but Caleb, if it's self-driving, you don't need to park. It'll just drive itself around. Well, he said from a parking lot, so it means they're going to have to be able to back out of their spot and then exit a parking lot. And so at some point, they're going to need that consumer feature. But I'm assuming that most of the tech, the other thing is most of the tech that's going to go into this demo will be there in pieces, and this demo will pull it all together in a way that isn't available to customers. Um, and then they'll have to work on refining that for a long time before customers could actually use it um, but there will be a person in the seat like it's, it's not as if the car will be empty it's not an e-valet no it's not going to be violating any laws because the person's still going to be in control of the vehicle it's just that the vehicle will happen to be doing it um okay uh well, violating laws you could actually improve the vehicle or you could change the laws that that could work from either direction I think they have to assume that the laws aren't going to change across the 20 or 12, 15, 20 states they might be crossing through uh, by the end of the year if they actually want to pull this off. So they must, they, I mean, they must know that they're not going to be violating a law or they've already gotten permission from all these states' DMVs. I think that's very unlikely. I don't know. Uber is happily running in front, taking all the arrows before everyone else gets there. So sure. <laughs> they're providing some good cover. So who knows? Everyone uh, else looks like an angel in comparison. That's true. Uh, Gigafactory. Uh, he said that the Gigafactory will produce all more capacity than all the battery factories combined when it's at full full use. It's already big and it's getting bigger. Yes, um, that it will have both the lowest cost per kilowatt hour in the in the world and also the best technology. So he kind of just reiterated that no one else is attempting this, and that he thinks it's actually a pretty important competitive advantage that as more and more companies he didn't say this this is my uh, analysis that as more and more companies are going to be trying to create these 30 dollars vehicles that range and the price of the battery continues to be the biggest single component cost and so having the best cost and quality and technology in that area is going to be an advantage for tesla um and Once again, I have to point out, if you were doing the voice, there would be no confusion as to whether it was your thoughts or his. Sorry, you're right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th I thought it was interesting, too, how he had a specific number. Where yes. he was like, I think we're going to have eight, nine, eh, ten, ten gigafactories. <laughs> yeah, ten like, or twelve is where he ended up. And then he said maybe twenty. And then he said a lot. Yeah, that was weird. So ten or twelve. OK, so, uh, ten or twelve would be. And, and also remember, the gigafactories in the, in the future are going to produce the cars and the batteries. So they're going to be like... Like cars and batteries? Or? Yeah, they're going to be giga gigafactories. They're going to do both. Okay, so the gigafactory now, as we know it, gigafactory one is just producing batteries and... Drivetrains. Um, Drivetrains, okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. And that's just going Nevada to Fremont. Yes, as we know it. And then he said, uh, jumping ahead, the Model Y's factory is going to... Uh, use the Gigafactory one battery packs and uh, motors. But then eventually new Gigafactories are going to be this product that they're going to continue to refine and improve each iteration. And that, uh, yeah, eventually they'll end with 10 or 12. And so that would mean that even conservatively, if they were the same output as Fremont, which would be, I think, a very lower bound of half a million cars, 
that that would put them at five million cars at the ten gigafactory level, and I think it's definitely easy to assume they're going to try and get at least a million cars out of each, um, which is it would be big better than most car factories, but not that far off. So that would put them at ten million cars. That would make them the largest car, single car manufacturer in the world. That would pass Porsche, which is in Porsche V and VW uh, Volkswagen at around. That 10 seems million. ambitious. Yeah. And then 20 would put them at a crazy level. Like that would, that would be double the biggest car maker in the world. So yeah, the, if anyone like the ambition of the number of vehicles they want to produce is pretty obviously, uh, more than anyone else. I think it's pretty obvious that 10, 10 gigafactories. I don't think you can look at that number and assume they're going to do less than they do in their Fremont factory. Uh, they're extremely thirsty. They are very thirsty. They want the milkshake. (laughs) Um, all right, let's get to, well, the semi came next after, um, so the semi is, the semi is going to be coming out the end of September. Uh, and one thing that was new, really new information is that they're working with, uh, truck, heavy truck buyers, the customer. I thought we knew that from last one. No, no, he didn't. He said they, I thought they they mentioned that last time. What the needs were. Oh, Okay. Hmm. I don't. I, Are they that, just doing user interviews? Is that <laughs> is that it? They're I building think so. a persona. I think so. And also that yeah, they're just like we want to buy it and we are ready to buy it. Um, and so <laughs> it seems like they're quite confident that they're just gonna sell every single one they can make, and that their challenge right now is scaling it up. And so even though they're gonna show it in September, he expects scale production to reach in about two years. Um, so so that would put us in 2019. Sure, why not? I mean. I, I feel like that's really blocked on. Well, I guess there are two things that that's blocked on. And, and we went over this in our summer episode, but it's blocked on the infrastructure for being able to like either rapidly charge or swap battery packs and keep these things moving as much as possible. Superchargers. And, yeah. And perhaps more importantly, autonomy. Like that's really the killer feature. Not killer feature. <laughs> the Uber feature. No, that's a bad, that's a bad nope. way of phrasing it too. Nope. Uh, the most important feature. Um, All right, there you go. Yeah, but but even if the cost of ownership is lower now with battery packs, they're still they'll still sell more because there's people buying new trucks every single year. It's not as if the market is zero for new trucks. Right, but like the trucking places, they don't go to gas stations, right? Like they have their own like you know fuel up centers in their own lots and stuff, and it's all very tightly integrated. So I feel like cracking that is is not. It's not like they're just going to roll one electric vehicle and see what happens. It's more of a, a deliberate investment for them. Hmm. We'll see. He seemed extreme. Would you agree? He seemed extremely confident in the product market fit for this semi. And uh, the amount of articles written negatively about the semi to date have been quite high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, I guess like it, it would be ridiculous to assume that the future is going to look like the present. So you know, who knows what it'll be and why not Tesla? Yeah. I mean, I, it seems to me that these, the, the semi trucks are going to be one of the first to turn over because they're, it's so clearly like, like public buses are already starting to go electric, even though they're massive because they're cheap, they'll be cheaper to operate. And like, it's a very clear financial situation. And as you pointed out, you don't just use any gas station to fill up a semi. You have very specific places you go and Tesla can put chargers in those locations. I mean, right. And they use cheaper diesel fuel too, which burns dirtier than, uh, because it's like compression burning. It burns like there's more, you know, micro particles or whatever it is that the, 
the terminology is. I'm sure someone will correct me on this, but but it doesn't burn as clean as as uh, high octane. Yeah, the uh, standards are lower petroleum. for the for the big trucks. Um, right. So one other thing, did you catch? He said, "I really think uh, you should just you should go to the semi unveiling. I really recommend showing up at the semi unveiling." And then I, I had to remind it a few times. Maybe there's a little more than we're saying here. Just saying, maybe, could be, who knows? <laughs> what, is it just going to be like a, a road train or something? It's going to be like quad semi or I, I don't know what else he it could be. He was referring to some other unannounced products, I think. So I think may, a couple, couple ideas, and I'm curious what the listeners think. One would be the snake charger the auto charging charger because that might be useful the very high speed uh, supercharger infrastructure because you'd want to fill these batteries up really really quickly or uh like some other product that is going to wheel out the back of the yeah my money is on swappable packs like that i think is is what you'd want you'd want the the vehicle itself to keep moving and the fuel or power source to be able to just like pop in pop out you can recharge them when electricity is the cheapest so you can like minimize your costs like that that's my money my money's on that my other idea is that they will have a roadster roll out the back of the semi because <laughs> like night rider because both of them will be lower lowish production volume they're not going to cannibalize m- many sales by having the roadster shown off it's probably also two to three years away, and it would be just cool. And oh, he, my God. You could have David Hasselhoff in it, and is Devin still alive? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> that would be awesome. Because he was talking about this in the context of this slide about unannounced or, like, upcoming products. Um, so, anyways, that's my sort of range would be <laughs> something supercharger-related or a new product, which would be the uh, Roadster, which is sort of a fun fun product he seemed kind of excited about it when he was teasing it i don't know it it didn't just seem like some other regular announcement it seemed like and he was like you should just really show up and so why would you why would you need to be there unless it's going to be like possibly a a ride in this crazy vehicle anyways i'm reading too much into it but it's fun that sounds pretty cool now i'm excited about it all right model y what model y what do you think it's going to be in its own factory yes that's that's really all I found out. They also released that silhouette photo, but that doesn't really tell me much of anything. Yeah, no side mirrors uh, in the in the photo, but that I gotta is... say, I don't like these teaser photos like that. Like they did the silhouette of the of the semi or something. Mm-hmm. All that tells me is you're not ready yet, and True. you know, giving me a vague shape that well, there's an asterisk where it could completely change it. I don't know. I mean, I know they're just trying to stoke excitement, but yeah, I, I maybe I'm just being a little bit of a wet blanket. What did you think? Uh, I yeah, I mean, it looks like an SUV. It's it, I it look so a couple things. Yeah, I think that it looked like a Tiguan. Yeah, it it's gonna look like a Macan, Porsche Macan, Tiguan thing. Uh, the the windshield looks huge, just like the Model X. So that's kind of great. Like it, I can't see a seam. In well, it's going to be the next generation X, right? So obviously, it's going to look well, better. Uh, it there's a lot of folks on the internet saying they see highlights where model uh, where the Falcon wing doors might be. I don't. Pigeon, see, I thought we agreed there were pigeon wing right, doors pigeon on the smaller wing. one. <laughs> I I don't see that myself, but I I don't think having the Falcon wing doors is going to be 
How about Raven Ravenwing doors? That sounds a little bit better than pigeon. I mean, falcons. There's there can be a range of sizes of falcons. They don't all. Oh, have so to they're be they're like Pellegrine yeah. doors. Like yeah, that, some, that is the fastest falcon. Something like that. Um, right. And uh, he he really sort of talked about how he's really excited about the Model Y and that there's criticism that they're not using the Model Three. Because one of the big things in the car industry is to have a common platform. And then you build all these different types of cars and trucks and SUVs. Not trucks, but cars and SUVs and crossovers and vans and things yeah, on this common the, platform. Like the VW Touareg is also the Porsche Cayenne or the... Yeah, Cayenne. I believe so. Is it no, the Cayenne? No, the Touareg, I believe, is on the Macan and the Jetta. Um, yeah, it's sort of their mid-sized. There's like an Audi, a Porsche, and a VW all built off of the same one. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, uh, Ford does this, uh, Chevy does this. All the major car makers um, use platforms, and it uh, is intended to reduce the overall cost and extend the lifetime of some of the core engineering work. And so, a lot of traditional analysts are like, "Tesla, what the heck are you doing? You're you just invested billions, like two, two and a half, maybe three billion dollars when it's all said and done in the Model Three. And you're not going to leverage any of that for this new car, this Model Y? Like, why are you doing this? And his point was, there's a lot of new technology that they want to introduce. They have much better ideas of how they could manufacture this much more efficiently and better. And if they use the same platform, they won't be able to make as many of those improvements in both the manufacturing and the technology. And he sort of wanted to quell people's concerns by saying, he currently expects they're going to be able to have half the CapEx so maybe only invest one to one and a half billion dollars on this project instead of two to three billion dollars that they did for the Model 3. And they'll be able to bring it to market faster with more new technology. And so he's targeting it being on the road in 2019. And to your point, they don't have a factory yet. So <laughs> that, that seems real. This seems like the most insane thing he mentioned, that they want to have a vehicle on the road in a year and a half, right? That's a year and a half. Well, yeah. okay, conservatively, let's say two years um, to give him the end of 2019, right? Actually, sure. no, that'd be two years. He, two years, yeah. Yeah, two years. Um, uh, two and a half years would be the longest. Uh, yes. All of 20, <laughs> is, the remainder of this year is six months. Then right. he's got 2018 to 2019 and 2019 to the last day of 2019. So two and a half years. Still, that's a that's a very short time frame yeah and it's it was interesting how he also went into how the x they made mistakes with the x right like they overshot and they were made things too complicated and and yet he said we're gonna start fresh right and like the he, he mentioned on the earnings call last time like the model y's wiring harness is only half a kilometer i think is what the, the number was um so they already know stuff about the model y so it makes me think the model y must be somewhat far along on the engineering side for them to be able to have confidence that it would even come on the road in 2019 and he said he expects he said previously that he, he wants it to be on the road in 2018 so that's like a crazy time horizon to build a factory install all this new equipment for this brand new manufacturing process and he thinks it's going to be cheaper well, like, i mean i guess the the battery pack the drivetrain that's all going to be the same the probably yeah. the controls internally like the, maybe you could probably assume the whole interior is the same so really you're just talking about a different like unibody 
system and like glass and uh i don't know what doors i guess so that, yeah, that doesn't some, seem that crazy yeah but some whole new way to manufacture a car he's like this is going to be a whole new way to manufacture and like this based is, on it, what they learn how to do in the model three is that what he's yeah he said the about? model yeah. three is only like point like this is going to be the first alien dreadnought one where like <laughs> the, the humans are not really involved in the touching of the car along the process oh, he um, just keeps teasing me with that alien dreadnought so so then it's a question of where he there's sounds like there's like three sites they're considering for this and it's not clear which one they're going to use probably going to be a west coast uh u.s manufacturing facility for the y if it's going to be that fast and and nearby yeah i thought that was an um, arizona one that they were talking about for that well they they had considered arizona for the um gigafactory so maybe they're going to do it there um, surely there's got to be something in like Southern California, like Inland Empire area. There's got to be stuff down there. California was also in the running for Gigafactory. um, And I bet this is going to have less environmental impact because it's really just the paint shop is going to be the big environmental side. So they can put the Apple-esque made in designed in California, made in California. Yeah. At some point, this is going to need to, I mean, at some point this year, I expect we'll see, they'll have to break ground on the factory. And I also expect that probably this year we'll see a prototype of the model y but maybe it'll bleed into next year i mean uh, I, he set the clock ticking on seeing a prototype when he shows the silhouette right like right. you can't you can't show the silhouette and then like let like 15 months go by without showing anything else that's kind of ridiculous yeah exactly so i think the model i think i'm gonna get the model three and then i'll get the model y when it comes out i mean oh really why not yeah oh there you go there's your there's your tagline right there the model y why not there you go um oh one other interesting detail we still have not hit my notes yet by the way i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) no that's fine i'm just wondering like how much was i snoozing at the beginning of this presentation one one other thing was uh the so he was mentioning that they of course can't do it at Fremont because they're busting at the seams. And the example he right. gave leaked a little kind of fun information based on our visit uh, a couple weeks back. Was he said about a week or two ago that he almost had a riot happen? With oh wait, the, now you're down in my notes. I think you're skipping around. No, this was Model. Y, maybe this was later. Sorry, but it was related to Model Y. Because yeah, this was awesome. I noted this. This was funny. <laughs> he said there were 500 people on site to install equipment for Model Three. So first off, the robot contractors. Yeah, basically. the robot yeah. contractors. So. We we were there, and I saw people on the exterior walking around in like jacket, like who didn't who didn't seem to be Tesla employees because they were wearing more like constructiony outfits. Yeah, and this was in the, this was in the non-approved. This was like the outside the factory, so I'm, I don't feel like i'm leaking anything anyone well, and it was a saturday that. it seemed like the the contractor to employee ratio was higher because it was a saturday yeah and so i got the impression maybe there's like 40 or 50 of those folks there but then he's like there's 500 people showing up to install these robots so 500 people for like a week or two at the minimum installing these these robots like that's a big it just it just made my my sense of scale expand even more for what was happening well yeah because we were trying to do that math while we were there right because there there's so many robots there and they all need i mean it looks like they all need a team of people to install them because they have to be like bolted down into the ground and calibrated and set up and then we we were riffing around like you know maybe you know maybe they're just getting like one line going and like a lot of the robots there are like you know the duplicates for like the other the parallel lines that will be running but i don't know 500 doesn't seem that crazy for the amount of 
hopefully I'm not violating any sort of NDAs here, but for the amount of created robot equipment that we saw sitting around. Yeah, I mean, I think it it's just a... Uh, I mean, if you figure there's huge, like 10 a, of them per person, 10 people per robot to get it all set up and tuned and everything, then that's only 50 people, 50 robots at a time that are being installed and... Eh. It's a lot of people who know what the heck they're doing with robots and that, other that equipment. That is true, yeah. It's a lot um, of specialized talent in there. I mean, there there was other things uh, being installed beyond just robots that might have needed people. But anyways, it was just like, that's a large crew. I mean, the factory has 6,000 employees, apparently, over three shifts. So that's like a sixth of the entire factory workforce just added in installation, right, at any one time, probably, if you assume, you know. Yep. 3,000 people maybe are working at a time. Um, so anyways, I just thought it was kind of, uh, kind of an interesting little detail that he called out uh, in trying to talk <laughs> about parking, and I was just thinking about Model 3 installation. <laughs> I also thought the interesting thing, too, about the robots was that almost all of them, or let's say there were, there were not that many different types of robots in there. there were, a lot of them are Fanuc or Fanuc or F-A-N-U-C. Yeah, and uh, the KUKA. I mean, you see this yeah. on the, the, any of the documentaries about Tesla. There's, you can see the right. KUKA robots and the Fanuc robots, and they're sort of... Uh, uh, those are, and those are like huge ro- industrial robotics companies, so it's not like yeah. they're like just making them for Tesla. But it's really interesting to me to see how they're all like similar robots that then get like custom attachments and stuff to do and obviously custom programming it to do different things but they're all like similar base models and they just kind of riff from there yeah it's it's kind of neat because then you could imagine they re- could repurpose them but actually like once it's running i mean it's going to sort of run its life until that whole line gets run down and yeah it, it, they have so much variability and yet they're probably going to live their life doing that one task until they poor robot die. poor, poor wally he's just picking up garbage <laughs> um so then we get to model three Yes. Configurating. First, definitely on track for first deliveries in July. <laughs> well, the State of the Union is strong. I mean, another aff- affirmation. I mean, we said last time, uh, the last one we had was the uh, earnings call. Yep. And that was a, a, almost a month ago. So now we're a month closer, and he's still saying on track for first deliveries in July. But he did sort of tip towards end of July. So <laughs> at some time this summer. But then he did say end of July once or twice. So I mean, there's I've seen people say like, oh, he's targeting July one for the start, and I don't think that's accurate. I I would not well, expect. I mean, there are people like claiming they're going to have like a Fourth of July party or something. <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be towards the end of July is when this event is going to happen with the final final unveiling. Sure. And the Q3 stuff, though, like is it's internal, right? Like it's going to start shipping to the internal people and it's it's not going to be any sort of external coverage until either late Q4 or end or like at the end of Q4. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think those first deliveries are going to be of those production cars are still are for employees. They're just going to start with those people. So I think it's going to be end of July for those first deliveries, which will happen to also be employees and investors. Um, so instead of like Sergey and Larry, it'll be employees and Steve Jurvetson and stuff. I don't think they're going to have a private, I don't think there's going to be cars that were sold to employees driving around before they have the final unveiling. Okay. Yeah. So calm, calm your photos and your drones or something that there's going to be more of a big rollout. 
Well, I mean, I did see some more this weekend, which was oh, fun. Yeah, what's that? Well, I drove by the factory, I mean, the, the uh, headquarters, you know, no big deal, and uh, saw... <laughs> As a, one does. I mean, you know, it's just something you do. Um, and yeah, saw a white uh, Model 3, uh, highest number RC that I believe has been seen, uh, number 88. 88. Isn't that like a famous NASCAR number too? Isn't that like... I think it's Dale Earnhardt. Dale Jr. Earnhardt, yeah, okay. All right. Um, and I'm pretty sure it is actually i don't I, know, yeah, I don't know neither of us know much about this but it, it, that sounds familiar i think i saw a tweet as someone asking about that that flew by um and then saw a red one uh exiting and then i was waiting at the stoplight and it waited and then as soon as i turned away it exited so it, i think it knew we were filming it um so it we had we, advanced anti-caleb detection technology yes. yeah. we got a little video unfortunately we ended up taking a little bit of it in portrait mode which i know is terrible and it was just a mistake <laughs> it was a fury of recording and I mean, we, we someone pointed that out, didn't they? They were very upset. Um, I, we were not. I wasn't. Ex, we we weren't prepared. We just drove by. And you don't have to explain. Kids, kids these days, Caleb. They're they're all chatting the snaps uh, with the vertical stuff. It's, someone was really yeah. on my butt about it. Me being a Snapchatter, and I don't use Snapchat. It wasn't. It was just an honest mistake. Like we were passing the phone around. I mean, it was. It was a, a tense. Mistakes were made. What can I say? Wait, who's been Snapchatting me with with your name? Oh my, no, it's not me. I don't. It's an imposter. I, don't use, I, don't oh. use, I do use Instagram Stories, but not Snapchat. <laughs> awesome. And you so, do too. So don't don't. I know. Claim I know. I'm guilty. Um, and then the the red one had those, uh, let's say, different uh, wheels. And the white one. Oh, it did as well. The arrow wheels. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it seems as if they sort of switched out almost all the RCs to be using those. seems like they're testing those right now. They're doing some sort of test, or or they're trying to, like, lower expectations, do you think? I just hope those are not the standard. Oh, my goodness. They're really ugly. I don't want them. I mean, I don't... don't, They remind me of the old Honda Insight that had, like, the solid wheels, and, like, the the rear wheels were covered as well. Like, I guess, like, the EV1 for, like, you know, that extra percentage of aerodynamism. Yeah, even if they give a, you know an extra five or 10 miles range. I don't care. I mean, I, I just don't want them. I don't want to be driving a weird, weirdo mobile. I don't, I think they make it look very oddly futuristic and not a pleasant. If they were spinners and they stayed stationary, that might be kind of cool. Yeah. Then I, then it'd be iRobot car. Um, (laughs) so you would need like completely spherical wheels for that configurator. What did you jot down in your first line of notes? Uh, that being an hour into this discussion, (laughs) my first line of notes say configurator color and wheels only no uh, that he, he was all just... he, he was all he was very he said it multiple times like don't no, expect more not. than just like color and wheels well he said basically yeah color and wheels but he said it like multiple times he like, did he like did. this was clearly something that had been he'd been hearing for a while and he's trying to like tamp down the uh expectations where you know you're just gonna pick a color and the size of your wheels and that's it yeah, he said, kind of going to be what color do you want and what size wheels do you want? That's basically going to be the configurator. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny, too, how he mentioned that, you know, they made a mistake with the Model X where they were just too much stuff at launch time. And then the Model S, they they did it correctly where they only had like really one option, but yep. that was not actually any sort of delivered decision. They were only able to make one option. So, <laughs> so it just worked out. It wasn't actually a grand strategy. Yeah, he's like, it wasn't because we're clever and we just couldn't do anything else except for make for one one version um one other a couple other things i noted in that discussion about the configurator um 
So basically, he's just sort of reaffirming it's going to happen towards the end of July around when they make those first deliveries, which again reaffirms to me that that's going to happen to employees who are going to have access early. They will choose because there's almost no choice. They'll already probably be producing the cars because if if the set of choices is basically color and wheel size, they know what people are going to choose because they only have so many choices. Back to my McDonald's <laughs> analogy. So they'll start producing some of those cars, be able to deliver those to those employees, uh, whichever ones they happen to have made. Like, oh, here's your car, John. And it's like, well, it's your car because this is the one we happen to have made yesterday and it's ready for you versus like you ordered this one in advance and it's custom for you. Um, tomato, tomato. Exactly. No big difference. And then uh, that he, he kind of was talking about like versions, like we're going to we're going to show what other configurations dot 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 versions are coming later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. For folks who want to get the performance models or all-wheel drive, he did say they're going to show you what options will be available but and when he they expect those to be out there. But it, he made it sound like it was almost going to be these packages like we're seeing with the Model S and X now instead of individual checkbox options. And it makes it seem as if, yeah, what you're going to choose on this first batch is going to be the Tesla decided set of things like the roof and the type of seats and anything that might sort of be eventually individual checkbox options all chosen for you like the sport package or the alpine yeah, package or the or premium something. package yeah exactly more like a traditional um car company would would do the lx and the ex and the sx and whatever um i thought we were disrupting traditional car companies what's going on there i, th I think they're realizing that uh, for efficiency of manufacturing it's kind of nice to bundle these options together instead of letting people pick from a myriad of multiple millions of combinations it's just not I a see. good not there was a, good a method way. to the existing madness well premium cars super premium cars you can custom everything but you know a honda civic it, there, there are some packages you have to start from and then you can customize a little bit plus well, the dealers speaking, speaking of which i saw my first bentley suv this weekend but the, the bentega the benyaga is that what it was it was ridiculous yeah it looked like a a, a bentley with some elephantitis and a swollen bentley well that's anyways. what some people say about the x um, that's true <laughs> the uh and the so, so so basically i would expect that um we're gonna have the larger battery pack he also mentioned that the single motor one other he's like we were going to have dual motor to begin with which probably is going to send you know knives through many listeners who <laughs> wish they had the dual motor um, but just sort of calling out that the two motors aren't the same uh the the rear motor is intended for stop and go and sort of more performant driving and the front motor is for highway uh so you know and it will be sort of front wheel drive which is more efficient and can be smaller to keep you in motion uh, rather than help you get from a start or stop. And so uh, they have to tune those motors differently and produce them differently than just a real, real drive car. And so they're just starting with real, real drive. They'll layer that in later. They'll layer in the performance later. They'll layer in other options. Um, and yeah, to your point, like Model X, the, the fun phrase was that Model X was a, is a Fabergé egg of a vehicle <laughs> and the, that no other vehicle will ever be as complex and hard as that one was and probably shouldn't be um which almost makes me want to get an x even more just yeah. because it's like that car is probably ridiculous still like there's probably so much in there that they still haven't even enabled because he's like the software just keeps making it better and better um it's just sort of like wow that pro that car probably was like really at the peak of what was possible and it's already two years old and still pretty crazy um 
Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of a Bentley, where it's like some sort of ridiculously hand-tuned vehicle that's kind of a one-off sort of bespoke vehicle. And yeah, maybe <laughs> at, at, at first when he started talking about it, I'm like, oh God, that sounds horrible. Like he's really slagging off on the on the X. And then by the end, I'm like, same, same like you just said, like, wow, maybe I really want one of those. That sounds really special. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, and it's like, well, like what is, I don't know what it's like. It's, it's, it's just sort of, he, because I do think they're, they are high quality. It's just, they went through a ton of effort to get that in there and they just wouldn't make those decisions again the way they had. But the car they're shipping now is good. It just took a lot of pain yeah. to get to that vehicle. The um, problem, I just think it's, yeah, like from sitting inside it, it's amazing because of the wraparound windshield and everything. But like outside of it, I'm like, it doesn't really look all that great. It kind of reminds me, I have no idea who the quote is, but like someone when the Eiffel Tower was built in Paris, they said, like, you know, if they could live anywhere in Paris, they'd want to live in the Eiffel Tower because it'd be the only place in Paris where you wouldn't have to see the damn thing. Um, so which is, which is to say it's like, you know, functional, but doesn't really look isn't really great to look at. Well, one thing he pointed out during that discussion was uh, that he also thinks it was a mistake to build the Model X on the Model S platform sort of to our earlier conversation right. and that what they really should have done is just started from a blank sheet of paper and designed what the best SUV would be uh, given the design constraints they wanted to set instead of inheriting the design constraints of the Model S platform. And I think that certainly influences the shape of the vehicle, um, you know, what, where the wiring is, where the seats can go, all these different components uh, influence what the Model X was like. And I do think that gives hope for the Model Y not just being an inflated Model 3. Uh, I do think that the, the trend of people wanting crossovers, and he, Elon even said he expects the Model Y will be more popular and sell in higher volume than Model 3. I mean, just globally, crossovers and small SUVs are the dominant choice for new cars, new vehicles, light vehicles. Um, and the look of them the ones that I think are most attractive don't look like just inflated vehicle, like inflated cars. They have some unique shape to them. Um, and so hopefully the Model Y will actually have its own unique presence instead of looking just like a Model 3 that happened to have been lifted and blown up. <laughs> Overinflated a bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I just hope it doesn't look as lozengy as the Model S X does. Um, all right, so we've been going for a very long time here. Maybe we should just speed run through the rest of, of what we've got here. Yes, lightning um, round. All right, lightning round. I thought it was funny that he was mentioning the force majeure on uh, what they, that basically their whole earth is their uh, procurement area. And yep. like when he was talking about delays or something, which was funny at first. And then as I was, he kept saying it, I kind of realized, wait a minute, is, doesn't that describe every single automotive manufacturing company in existence? Like, why are you calling that out as anything different for Tesla? Yeah, I think maybe he's just calling out that it's kind of ridiculous as the current state of affairs is is pretty nuts that you rely on so many outsider suppliers for all these parts and you're always something going wrong. Isn't that kind of weird? Like, couldn't we fix that? And I think it goes think to his point about wanting everything to be uh, vertically integrated as much as possible. So you just get raw materials coming in. Do you think long-term vision, where he kept conspicuously mentioning Earth, that he also has some sort of SpaceX thing where maybe he's going to start procuring stuff from asteroids? I don't think he's going to procure things from asteroids, but I do think the idea of being good at manufacturing things from raw materials is going to be really important on other planets. Like, that's oh. really out there, but there's no steel on Mars, right? You have to make it from ore. And well, what are the raw materials— 
well we don't expect there is so what are the raw materials on the moon what are the raw materials on mars and you're going to need to be able to build factories that can turn those into useful things like even even just making concrete and being able to lay right. a pad for landing like we're not going to fly factories no less too right yeah exactly that you just drop in and they start assembling themselves like nanobots but very large just like robots perhaps an alien dreadnought yeah i mean it's kind of far <laughs> it's kind of out there but i do think that if you're thinking if 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 you think about and dream about how you would colonize a planet and then you just think about well why wouldn't we do that here uh, and we're going to need that technology anyways, so it's more efficient, uh, lower cost in the long run, and will be useful to my Mars plans. <laughs> I, I don't think that's beyond the pale of, of reasonableness for, for him to consider. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no sort of asymptotic jumps there, right? It's, it's, it's a linear progression. It's just how you can scale it. And we did this in the 20s. Uh, Ford did this at the River Rouge plant, uh, and he he also had like plantation rubber plantations making his tires. I right. mean, Ford did go to the extreme. The problem is GM usurped them by moving to car, like more modern vehicles instead of just making the Model T. Um, so it it does tend to have a little bit of an ossification tendency that because you get so vertically integrated, you tend to make the same product over and over again and have a hard time changing what you make. So if you can solve that problem then you, you might get the best of both worlds, but hasn't really been done. So the other thing, I thought he riffed on music for a long time, which yeah. seemed a little bit weird. And the way he kept saying about how they've got some interesting stuff with playlists and matching algorithms kind of made me I think know. first was like, oh God, please don't try and reinvent something else. And then I started thinking, well, maybe they're just going to buy Pandora. I know it was weird. He talked about how, like how he, he still thinks music playlists or you know listening finding the right song to listen to is not great he really likes listening to music in his car that they, he has some good ideas around what to do here yeah and i i couldn't i was just oscillating between are they going to build like their own streaming music service <laughs> i um, just wanted to yell focus man focus or like and then he's like recommendation algorithms like i couldn't tell if this is like a side street for him like he, <laughs> like he's just like i don't think pandora or spotify are good enough or what but i I was just, yeah, it seemed a little odd to, and then he's like, we'll have more to say on this towards the end of the year. So I, gosh, I really, I hope I, what they have to say at the end of the year is we have a partnership with Apple music or Pandora or Spotify or something. I know just partner with one of those people. I mean, yeah, yeah sure. Like you could, you could do some of your own stuff and like maybe save it to my profile and my key fob. So when I get in, but right. Gosh, You're talking about like, like focus tighter on other parts of the software. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't um, want those enter engine. Uh, like put more engineers on autopilot, please. <laughs> right, any engineer that is spending time developing that should be spent like working refining the UI or anything else, anything other than recommendation algorithms. Yeah, like yeah, don't. That's not. At least no. he didn't say anything about gamification, so you know, there's still still lower to go. Yeah, we well, he didn't talk about this Tesla network at all. Like some things he didn't talk about. I was a little disappointed. I wish he yeah. had talked about that. I guess it's so far out still. Like they, I mean, they're barely at autopilot one. So right, right. 
Um, yeah, I thought it was one quote that I thought was funny was my, my treat my tweet frequency has no correlation to with what I do for work hours. Yes. When someone was asking about like what he's been tweeting about, I thought the breakdown of his his sort of like uh, reluctant breakdown of his work time that yeah like two percent he's two percent boring which I thought was kind of yes. funny. Uh, I thought that like three to five percent neural link. I thought that that being that was like, higher than I expected. Yeah, like twice boring uh, yeah. was pretty interesting. Two percent open AI, ninety plus percent was space and tesla i thought that it was hilarious that he said tesla is a drama magnet yes <laughs> which was pretty funny i thought he said that boring is his hobby there's only like three people some interns and some part-timers mm-hmm. uh that he thought it was fun that there was no pressure that uh, everyone thinks it's just gonna fail so there's you know can only go up from there which i thought yeah. was actually a good setup for a pun since it's a boring like drilling company that he did not follow through on so i know uh yeah i was a little disappointed there um Beyond that, uh, I think the the last thing I have here that I thought was interesting was the uh, millennials living in apartments, not being able to charge, because that kind of applies to you in a way. Uh, he was talking about, not that you're, are you a millennial? I think I am officially. I think you might be like, yeah, you yeah. might be like tail end of the millennials or. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's all so confusing. Um, but anyways, he, he, I guess like humans living in apartments uh, millennials are yeah, not doesn't need to be a millennial there might be some gen yeah. xers still living in apartments um, <laughs> just saying i mean elon should know this his employees are probably living in a lot of apartments and condos exactly exactly and i thought it was kind of interesting they started talking about like in vague terms like city locations and having like you know less than superchargers which i guess might be like their destination chargers um he was talking about how there's a little bit of a problem with it was weird that he phrased it as like condos and apartments that everyone would come in and need to charge all at once. Cause I guess that would happen anywhere where there's sufficient density. I mean, if you have like 10 single family homes on a block or one 10 unit building and everyone comes home and charges, then I don't see why that's a difference. But I guess as you increase the density of the housing uh, and the uh, penetration of electric vehicles, then you end up with charge surges. Yeah, and I think part of it too is just like what the what the apartment complex is wired for. Like we just installed chargers at our office and we have a 200 amp circuit and so we put in two 50 amp chargers. Uh but the landlord is getting a little nervous if we were running both of those at the same time that it might get a little dicey. Um <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean each of the homes has some 100 amp circuit maybe coming into it, so single family home that's fine even if all of them are running it would still put a lot of stress on the on the system but it's at least rated for that amount like that's it actually seems easier to upgrade like denser dwellings right because it would be easier to just like make one run of super heavy duty stuff rather than a hundred different runs of slightly upgraded equipment yeah i mean it should be i guess the point is if you want to fit into what is already in the building wiring he was just saying you want to have smarter systems to be able to just not turn on all the cars all at once uh, when everyone gets home and plugging in like you don't want to be drawing right. a peak like i mean if you had 50 cars charging at 50 amps that's 2500 amps that would be kind of insane that's a lot of amps um that's <laughs> why I th- th- but that's oh, sorry, that's, sorry that's why i think they might be working on something there because he he didn't you get the sense that he he kind of answered like oh we're gonna have superchargers that let you charge but then he talked about charging in apartments right like but that's not 
that's not something most people who live in apartments have any control over adding charging like it's up to their landlords so for him to talk about that in the, in answering that question just sort of revealed to me that they must be thinking about some solution for those landlords and well, it's got to be a question one of their concerns asking, right yeah, but the landlords have to be demanding a solution here. And they're like, well, we can't just let people put plugs in all of their spots because it's going to overload our circuit because each individual person doesn't care about that, but the landlord in the building cares. So if Tesla is going to provide some intermediate charging that then is going to do this load leveling, then that's why I, I go back to that they may have a, sp a special charging solution. Right, so some that. sort of like mini like home supercharger that might yeah, actually be Yeah, mini charge a, point thing. It's yeah. like a combination of a power wall and a charging thing, and the power wall kind of serves to level out the peak loads, maybe yes, in coordination and, and with all the other ones that are installed. And they will pick up the tab, and you'll charge, like you'll pay Tesla for the privilege, and so they'll do these little deals with all the different... Uh, either utilities or with the, the, the houses, the, the apartments or condos themselves. Yeah, at uh, some point it'll be a, something you're looking for, right? Like, I, w I only want to rent at a place where I can charge my car. Yeah, it, the same way that they've, they've sort of done this lightweight deals with all these places for destination chargers, I think they must have someone who's saying, okay, well, those are for businesses. What are we going to do for apartments and condos? And I don't think they're going to want to offer it totally for free. So they, I think they must have some program running that they're not ready to announce yet. So... All right. Well, the last thing I have on my list was the electric plane. Yes. And it's not quite too. ready. There's not the, quite ready. The density to weight ratio, it's not there yet. But did you pick up on the fact that, so he said 400 watt hours per kilogram is sort of what you need at least. Uh, that's right. sort of the minimum. And 500 then would be optimal. 500 would get, would get pretty interesting. And then he said 500 is only four or five years away from commercial production. Yeah. Which means we are less than 400 today. In, our current, in the current Tesla batteries. So, because otherwise that would be possible today. So he, he's like, we're not there yet. And the yet is sort of minimum 400. And then to go another 25% boost would get you to this four or five years out time horizon. So that means that the cars are probably gonna be 30 to 40% more dense in five years. That's, that, that would mean they're gonna continue on their seven or 8% improvement each year. Like, they already see a pathway there. That's awesome. Yeah. That means, like, what, what, what's important is, like, not only will it be cheaper because there's less stuff, it'll be lighter. So the amount of range you get per kilogram will go up. I mean, it's obvious, but, like, two things are positive there. It gets lighter and it's cheaper because you're using less stuff. So, yeah, I mean, four or five years from now, those battery packs are going to be amazing. That, that seems very clearly going to cross— if it, I'll say this. If it, if it would work for an airplane <laughs> in four or five years, then every freaking car could totally be electric and it will be cheaper. Like it, it will have to be cheaper. If, if, it, if an airplane where the fuel is so crazy is, uh, is going to like it's flying, if a battery would work for that, it'll clearly work for every terrestrial project and decimate any internal combustion engine right is that yeah is that i mean it has to right like as, as i think i've mentioned in the past i think getting full autonomy and still using petroleum-based vehicles is sort of an environmental doomsday scenario so uh, we really have no choice but to to completely make everything electric all right mike uh <laughs> on that happy note on that happy note where can people share their thoughts about this uh hour yeah, discussion you, with elon 
If you uh, watched the shareholders meeting and, and somehow listened to this overly long discussion uh, of it, uh, you can uh, reach out to us at uh, on Twitter. Uh, our screen name is at The Tesla Show. Uh, you can come to our website at theteslashow.com. Or if you are a Redditor, you may Reddit us at r slash uh, Show. And I will post a link to the YouTube video in the show notes if you want to look at that. Um, but uh, be, be forewarned, some of it will be in portrait. There will be some portrait, and uh, I'm, I apologize in advance. But I didn't want to cut it because then you wouldn't have seen the red one, which is pretty cool looking. Look good That's in the sun. True. Indeed. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later, Mike. All right. Bye, Kel. Bye.